What a crazy book. God instructed his prophet, Hosea, to marry and have children with a woman, Gomer, who was a sex worker. But it's not like she was going to stop her employment. The way it's worded, which is extremely intense by the way, it seems like the whole point was for him to marry a woman that was going to be unfaithful to him. I'm not sure if Hosea knew, but it definitely seemed like God planned for Gomer to leave him and go back to her sex work. Unless the practice was for sex workers to auction themselves off back in the day, it looks like Gomer ended up not just being a sex worker again, but actually some kind of sex slave. I do think it was the plan the whole time, because the whole point was for Hosea and Gomer's marriage to be a metaphor of the relationship between God and the Jews. In the mildest, most understated wording possible, both relationships were fraught with infidelity. But Hosea is told to play the part of God in their relationship. This role consists of unconditional love for his wife, where he redeems her by buying her back off the auction block. As far as Israel goes, God describes all these things he will do to punish them. But he immediately transitions into the promise of mercy and restoration. In an amazing statement, God says he will make the Valley of Achor, which means the Valley of Trouble, a door of hope. He basically is saying that you will walk through this Valley of Trouble, but it's actually a door that leads to hope. This is so beautiful. Somehow, their trouble resulting from their infidelity leads them to a hope they wouldn't have otherwise been able to reach. I want to be clear. God isn't just saying, I will forgive you and restore you. He's saying that this pain and suffering caused by their rejection of him is going to lead them to a beautiful place that was previously unreachable. I know what I'm saying has implications and that this might be controversial. It might sound like I'm saying they are better off because they rejected God and brought on all this pain. Well, I guess I am kind of saying that, but don't turn me off just yet. Think about it with me. From the beginning, well at least from Exodus 34, God has been saying in some form or another that he wants to be known for his mercy. This comes to a climax in Ephesians 1, which we will read later. But what I'm saying is that God's whole purpose in creation is to reveal himself as, and be known as, and be worshipped as, a God who is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. How can God be known in this way if there isn't anyone to forgive? God is all of this. Either way, regardless if there are sinful people to forgive or not. God is saying that it is better for everyone for him to endure rejection so that he can forgive these people who will then know him for who he really is. This is absolutely mind-blowing. I feel like I say that every time I make one of these episodes. But this is nothing short of mind-blowing. God does not want a superficial relationship with us. He wants our honesty. He wants our ugly. He wants our hate. He wants our pain. He wants our joy. He wants our love. He wants our beauty. This is when we are truly ourselves, and He is promising that this is when He is truly Himself. He is a God who is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. He is a God who is willing to suffer rejection just so He can show us what He thinks is the best part of who He is. Oh my God, please help us to be transformed by this amazing truth. Please help us to see you, 
love you, and worship you for who you truly are, a God who is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. You're doing so good with your reading. Come back tomorrow and we will read the book of Joel.